JP's serious. He's got his big leather band Bible with oh, the gold edging out. Yes. Only comes out on a Sunday. This is serious. <laughs> Let's pray. Yeah. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you teach us. You use it for building us up, for encouragement, for admonishment, for training in righteousness. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak through JP. Speak to our hearts. Help us to know you and love you more through your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Yes, it's, uh, the words have been really great. Today, I want all of us to learn a new word, abundance. Have you heard that word before? Um, it's a word we use quite a lot in our house, and we try and teach it to our son. Um, because I'm aware that we stand in a culture which talks about the cost of living. We have a government where the media talks about how it's like our society is falling apart. There seems to be this kind of cloud of depression over this nation. And I think a lot of it is because we have believed like a lie that there is lack, that there is not enough in this world and we all need to grab our own. And so we're going to be in Luke, we're going to be continuing that story. And this, we've got a little story today, and so I'll expand it out massively, of course. Um, but there's something about this story that shows that the, one of the characters really got it, that they are living in a land that they see as abundant, even when everyone else would say it's a land of lack. So, yeah, I think if you turn to me with Luke 21, 1 to 4, for those who are new here or for those who haven't been around for a while, we've been going through Luke. And the nice thing about doing that is it forces us to hit different topics. Um, today we will also be talking a bit about money. It's not a thing sometimes we feel a bit uncomfortable about. And actually it's great to have... Um, Joshua Reardon with us, um, my brother-in-law, um, he, he once put me onto something about wealth. Yeah, he doesn't know I was going to say that. That's why it looks like the deer in headlights. Um, and actually, often we think of like, it, it can be a trap to think almost as poverty as good or spiritual in some ways, in, at least amongst Christians. And wealth is somehow like, oh no, we don't want that. But actually, we are called to be uh, people who we see wealth, we are generous and we receive, but we don't have that to control us. Um, and so and Jesus, I guess, modeled this in many ways, that he is, is, is um, a man who could have the abundant fish, the fish, you know, that, that hall right at the beginning of the Gospels. His first um, disciple, Simon Peter, he came there because of this abundant fish catch, and then he went to follow him. And so, so God has all the fish. He's got all the silver, all the gold, and yet he chose to walk without holding on to that because he walked, he came into people's lives, and he did this whole journey. And right now, we're coming towards the end of Jesus' life. We're coming towards his death where he paid the price for us, and then he rose again to, um, yeah, and then ascended on high. And, yeah, he, he had a coronation. I was just thinking we have the coronation weekend. It's worth noticing that Jesus was coronated, but he was coronated not with a crown dripping in jewels and silver. He was coronated with that crown of thorns because he was that suffering servant. Um, so if you've all found Luke 21 in your Bibles, we're going in for 1 to 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Lord God, I thank you that you see people. You see their hearts. Lord, I thank you that you provide, Lord, that all the wealth is yours and you give generously, Lord. You've given us this world to look after. 
Lord, and I just pray that today that these words that I bring will be well nuanced, Lord. Help me uh, to speak with clarity and not with clumsiness, Lord. I pray that we will receive something from you today, Lord. Let, us, let our hearts be redeemed. Let, let our hearts be rewired, Lord, that this society uh, talks so much about lack or, 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 no, we need more. But, Lord, I pray that you'll release us from that, Lord, that we'll appreciate the abundance that you've given. Lord, I thank you that you are a generous God, and we come before you now. Lord, thank you. Amen. So, yeah. So Jesus, um, just before this, he's, he's actually kind of teaching the temple. They'd often teach seated. And he's speaking to his people. He's having these questioning with the religious leaders. There's a lot of debate. He's, um, it's almost early on, he's a little bit secret. Some of the parables are a lot harder to understand. He's hiding his message. But right now, he knows he's about to die. And things sometimes get a bit cl- clearer. And he accuses these religious leaders of... Um, they're devouring widows' homes, of not helping the widow, those who are marginalized, those who are oppressed. And then he kind of, then you've got this, this, this um, situation where he looks up. And if you can imagine this, he's been teaching, he kind of looks up, he pauses, and he's in the temple. And these people are bringing their gifts to the altar, and there's some kind of box. I, I didn't do enough research to know what this is like, but the, the rich are pouring in lots of money, and everyone think, probably thinking, oh, look at those holy people who are giving lots to the temple. And then he notices this widow who comes in, and she puts in two coins. And I think people looking on, they wouldn't realize how much that offering meant. Um, and because God doesn't, you know, as I said, is he has all the fish. He has all the wealth of his. He, he cares more about what, people, what the money is saying about their hearts than what is actually entering in the, um, in the box. The, I mean, one thing to point out, though, he doesn't actually criticize the rich here. So... So, he's, so some of the parables, sometimes there is this like, tension, but I think this one is more that it, our focus is on the widow. This widow, and what does it say about her heart? Um, and Jesus uses these physical kind of truths. So we see something, we see some coins, and he moves from the financial into the spiritual, and he, he brings us a lesson. Um, so... Um, let's pick someone on the front row. It's always a good thing. Why do we give, John? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, 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 when I was reading this, one of the things I thought I could do is I could just read out Paul's letters for kind of half an hour. Um, if we turn to 2 Corinthians um, 8, I've got kind of... So 2 Corinthians 8, I didn't give Sam any of the verses, so um, those with paper Bibles are blessed today. Um, and, and we see an encouragement to give. So uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been giving among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this, not as we expected, for they gave themselves first to the law and then by the will of God to us. So there's something about giving here that is joyful. They're, They're people that, they're also poor, kind of like this widow. And yet, they hear something, they hear something that's happening abroad, and they gather together, they bring what they have, and it's, 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 
it, it, it creates this thanksgiving. Um, an abundance of joy leads to an overflow of generosity. And how do they do it? They don't just do it all about the money, but they go first to the Lord, then um, to the saints. And if we go on to the more famous one, maybe, is 2 Corinthians 9. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And you're, oh, sorry, um, I go from six. Sorry. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So here again we see that it comes from God, and this abounding or this abundance comes out. And out of our hearts, there's this joy, and then we give. Um, and and it's, it's almost like we can, we can fear. We can fear what, what, we don't, what might come in the future, and then we can miss what we have for now. And so God wells up. There's something about faith that then gives us to give, and then we're cheerful, and it is a joy to give. Um, giving, though, I think is also connected to work. And work is something, again, that maybe in the church sometimes we're like, well, the ministry is good, and we do things in the church, and then we go out to work in order to raise money, in order to give. Um, but I think it's a bit of a, a trap. Um, so in Luke, we've kind of covered it already, in Luke 12, um, it's the famous seek first, the kingdom. Let me just read it. And do not seek after what you are, eat, are to eat and what you are to drink. Nor be worried, for the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. So when we go out to work, or we go about our lives, um, we, can, we can see, like, ah, oh, we need a house, or we need food, or we need clothes, or, I don't know, maybe we need a mobile phone. And yet... That's what everyone else is doing. So we don't earn just to have these things. We seek first the kingdom of God. That God is redeeming the whole of work here because we're doing it for his kingdom. The work that we do is a part of a ministry. It's part of accessing this abundance that comes from God. It's a gift from him that allows us to go. So we seek first the kingdom, and then all these other things are added. Um, I think sometimes when we, we think about work, we think we must climb this big ladder um, that we kind of carry this all ourselves, and then we've kind of earned it and we receive it. But when we realize that the abundance comes from God, when we give out of that, when we can give kind of cheerfully, we're not like locked down into this kind of race that keeps on cycling, but we're able to go and be joyful and have it gently. And I think there's, there's testimonies where people have been able to, um, rather than you know, leave that kind of big salary and go, uh, out to uh, the kind of, kind of world and do something that God has called them. I, I know in my, my life that God has been able to bless me by dropping one day a week. And yet that has enabled me to pray, to speak to people, to make new friends. God is amazing in how his abundance that he keeps on supplying 
because we don't need to do it all ourselves. This widow, then, she came, she gave him that two copper coins, what she had to live on. Um, so this is almost like, well, she had that to live on. She, maybe she could buy some bread. Why did she give it? She was living in this abundance. She knew that God's heart was for her, that even though what she had now she could give, she knew in the future God's abundance would supply her needs. The widow is probably the least of society. It was very hard to be a widow in that time because you didn't have, the, I guess, the welfare service that we have. Um, you ended up with, uh, without kind of a family or, or connections. You were very vulnerable. Society would take advantage of these people, and yet this widow chose to use that money to give into the temple because she knew who her father was, what God was like. The, the good thing for us is, is if we, we, see, we, we could see ourselves as that widow because compared to God, that we are poor. We can't um, know what the future is going to hold. This, this times of uncertainty that we're in means that we can want to hold tight. And yet, when we know what God is like and he keeps on supplying our needs, he gives us opportunities, we can release what we have today because we know that tomorrow we can leave into his hands. Um, and so everyone gets to play, everyone gets to give, everyone gets to be a part of a family. Um, previously in 2 Corinthians, in between the bits I read, it actually talks about how, Moses, how um, so you don't give so that, um, so that somebody has loads and someone has lack, but there's a sense of fairness. And I think we often see this in the church, that when you have relationships, you also have everyone around you to protect, to give, to... Um, look after one another. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet, Haggai. Um, and so this is between the Zeds, Zechariah and Zephaniah, lives Haggai. It's rather small. Um, so, uh, so, so this is in the time. What happened to Israel? They turned away from God. And then they were suddenly um, found themselves overcome by these mighty empires. And so this nation that was meant to be God's people and a representative of him to all the, all the surrounding area, what we saw instead was that they were under oppression. They were strung to make ends meet. They had high taxes. And then God calls them out. He calls out this leader, uh, Zerubbabel, and they were going to come back to Jerusalem, which had been laid in ruins, to rebuild the temple. Um, but it was a challenge. So I'm going to just touch a couple of verses. So Haggai 1, 4 to 8. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. And so... This prophet, so a prophet of God, he has the word of God in him, the spirit of God, in order to speak to this people. These people have, they start off well, they've gone back to the city, but things have got tough. They've, they're kind of, the lack has overwhelmed them, and they've used what they've got 
in order to build for themselves. And so it's a strange situation that God, the prophet, speaks to this people who are already struggling. And he says, no, don't keep looking to your own things. Don't look to your own work or to your provision. But first, start, start with my house. Um, and, I, and, I, and he does this in order because he wants to break us out of, it's almost like a cycle of lack or not having enough. It can be easy to think, oh, I just need one more thing, and then I'll, then I'll be okay and I can focus on God. But actually he says, start, start where we are. Start in, in the little things. We start laying the foundations. Um, and so then in two, they responded to this prophetic word. The people gathered around. They laid the foundations. And so we have in uh, chapter 2, Haggai recorded, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So God says he didn't actually need them to give it. The silver and the gold are his. And yet he wanted them to be able to look up, to look beyond their circumstances, to restore their temple to have that <laughs> central point. Um, anyway, I'll, um, I'll try and continue. Um, and it, and it's a, there's an amazing thing about this. It's actually also a now word. This, the prophets were an interesting um, stories because there's, there's kind of the history of the nation of Israel and what happened and the people of God who spoke to them. But also there's an, another meaning for us today. That, that that house that they built there and that temple, they did eventually complete it. That temple wasn't as great as the original temple in Jerusalem that was to be the nation's. And actually we see that completion of that greater glory what happened in that book of Acts when the Spirit of God fell on the church and they went out um, in a power that God was amongst his people and he speaks to us today. We've had tongues interpretation. We love to have God filling this place, speaking. We had a worship time last night where God was sharing and moving amongst us and ministering to us that this is the glory that we look towards um, and we get peace. And so then in, ch in chapter 2, 18 to 19, um, consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is there seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. So at the moment, they were still poor. They'd done this thing, and yet they were still struggling. But then we get this promise, but from this day on, I will bless you. And so we're seeking God's blessing for our lives. We're seeking to act in the blessing that will come out of the abundance he gives. I think a lot of the time when we go to work, we receive it as a blessing, as abundance. As we live our lives, as we receive um, from other people that we give gifts to one another, it's a blessing that overflows. And we seek first his kingdom, and then all these other things are added. Um, and so I, just, I also wanted this talk to be, I guess, practical. Um, it, we've got lovely kind of scriptural case studies. We've seen God move. We've heard stories sometimes of these kind of great um, evangelists or, or kind of big kind of people who, who this seems to apply to. And yet we live our lives and we're, we're wondering, is this also for us? Is it for now? And so I think, first of all, I'd say that we need to look at our hearts. There's been a lot of words about that today. And I thought I'd share some practical things for my own life, which hopefully is encouraging. Um, but also what we want to do is we want to work from this kind of spiritual principle about an abundance, about expecting God to kind of provide and seeing what it gives and, and almost like positioning ourselves to 
um, receive where he wants us to go next. What is the calling? What are we going to do um, about seeking first and living in a world where there is actually an overflow of generosity from God? Um, and so I guess, to a certain extent, we look at our own hearts. And then from that, we try to apply spiritual principles. So I'll try and give you a couple of examples, maybe. Um, one thing uh, that I realize is that there's a thing about giving. This widow gave the two coins, but it is also costly. So then there in the moment, it is a decision and a cost to forgo what we could have done with the money in order to receive what God might have for us. And one thing I know in my life I've, I've realized is that by giving to the church or giving to other people and being generous, that we miss certain milestones. We should be kind of the, out here. So when I went to university... Um, I'm a very competitive person, which is why this is important for me. I have to let go of trying to keep abreast where everyone else is moving. You see, so you can be like, you can look at, you look at your friends, especially any of them that went into banking. Now, again, wealth isn't bad, but, but for my heart, I need to accept that they're going to have, you know, fancier cars or bigger houses because I want to be seeing what God's doing and also not to miss that the general, the fact that we actually have a church, that we meet in a school hall, um, that we can be gathered together, is a blessing from God. And this wouldn't happen without the generosity of much of you. And so sometimes we, we can get kind of material things and we want to hoard them and see how nice they grow. But we also sometimes miss that the important things, those relationships, the, the people and the time we spent with one another would have otherwise not been there. So I guess the first maybe challenge or, or thing to think about is, is what kind of phone or car or holiday or house that you really, really want. And you see that other people who might do similar work to you have. But actually to release that to God, to ask him for the things of greater value. Um, and this, this can actually set us free. Uh, similarly to this is maybe flexibility with your income. Um, what, what often happens is when you try and keep up and everyone's trying to do it, you end up having, it's almost like an unspoken competition. And then what happens is your income... This is where I should have probably had some graphics. I normally have a piece of, uh, a flip chart here. But if you kind of imagine your, your um, income as a pie chart and you think about what, what it gets spent on, you break it down, the more of that money that disappears at the beginning of every single month, the less flexibility, the less remaining you have to respond, to do what God might be calling you, to be maybe generous sometimes um, or um, just... Uh, you know, it will, it will invest for, for a cause that God is bringing us to. So things like, you know, phone contracts. If, if you're kind of spending over like 30 pounds a month on a phone, that's, that's actually quite a lot per year, whereas there are smaller phone contracts. You can make decisions. I, um, I try to buy my phones outright and secondhand, um, uh, though also I have a slight heart leaning towards being um, oh, well, scrimpy or... <laughs> Whatever. So, you know, you, you can decide what, what God is calling you to. So, so yeah. The, um, and, and I guess the same thing with kind of which house. Like, if you have that extra bedroom or you can, you can manage a house that's smaller, then suddenly you find a lot more money is released because, generally speaking, houses with more bedrooms cost more per month. Um, and also the challenge of debt. Because if we ever go past, so if you've got the kind of your pie chart um, of how much money you get in a month, if you ever go past the amount, you, you've already committed that to people. And in a way, we get money for our time. We, we tend to work for some kind of salary. That brings in money into the bank. And if we've predetermined to give, give all our money away, we've kind of almost given all our time away. And 
there, there's something there where it's like even if we wanted to, we're suddenly we've got other masters that that already we've kind of almost committed. We've pre we've pre-assigned our time into someone else's hands. So yeah, think about that. Um, another one that I've tried to do is like so some of you guys are much more generous than me by default and uh, are gifty kind of people. I am um, I, I tend to struggle to remember people's birthdays and um, uh, and I don't know. Things kind of gifts is not. I don't. Did anyone read the five love languages and talk about the way in which people relate? Well, the gifts one is probably at my bottom, which also means that I struggle to show love through gifts to people. Um, and so what I've tried to do is I try to put a, a, aside a regular savings account so that I've got a pot of money which I've already in my heart decided this is no longer the, the kind of money that I'm using for everyday life, and I've got this money available to respond to a situation God has. Because also the other thing we know, that with this pie chart, the likelihood is every month it all gets used up. And so if you haven't pre-kind of put it aside for a future purpose, then it's very hard to suddenly, um, you know, respond if God in the moment. You'd like to do it, but you're not available to give to people. Um, now probably one of the biggest things that I feel like God has spoken to me, and this is maybe more a personal thing, but you can... Um, consider what it looks like is that I am I've never asked for a pay rise or a promotion and when it comes to jobs to look for uh, like how long to stay in a work isn't about trying to maximize how much income I can have but how how can you um, go for a job as this mission field you know one thing I've noticed is um, that people often kind of go through quite quickly and on a CV that means you can go up the ladder a bit quicker but it takes time to make deep relationships with people. And it's interesting. Um, I've had people at work you know, who I've been able to pray for or they'll come to me about personal problems because in some ways um, I'm stable. <laughs> you know, I've been around for a while and I give people time and listen. And I see that that, that place where God has put me in that workplace is actually quite a, a privilege. I have um, had promotions and pay rises, so um, it's not that uh, that, that is a... Um, you know, that, that I'm kind of still waiting for it. But, but in that kind of time of being there and being available, um, you gain a sense of trust. And um, it's something I think is a big blessing. One of the reasons, again, similar to the competitive thing, I know that if I asked for pay rise, um, what, what would happen is you end up, you know, it's almost like the company's like, well, I don't really want to give them a pay rise, but I don't really want them to leave. And then it com there's the, you start to have a tension. I think it's the other thing... Um, also at work, I think a lot of the guys know this, is that you tend to try, you almost wear a mask. Um, and you try to be extra awesome at everything at all times. Um, and then you can get trapped by imposter syndrome. One of the problems is if you ask for a pay rise and you get the pay rise, you don't know if they actually wanted to give it to you or they were giving it to you out of fear you're going to leave. Or if you ask for a, a promotion in job, then they might give it to you, but then do you know that you're kind of ready? Do they see what you feel... Um, you have, do, do they actually think you have it? And then, um, again, you kind of, you almost feel exposed because it takes a long time at work for people to give you honest feedback. Um, part of this is for me. So uh, the flip side I would say is I think there's also circumstances where actually, in, uh, was it 2 Thessalonians 3? This is where I should have written it down. Um, but there's, there's a passage that he is not willing to work, um, let him not eat. Um, there's the willing part, so that's, that's 
very major, but if you also decide that you, you're not going for promotion, pay rise, responsibilities, or jobs, that could also be a thing where you need to look at your heart to say that actually, is God calling me somewhere? Is, am I actually meant to be uh, in a different situation? And I'm not there because God, uh, because I haven't taken up that opportunity that God has given. So, yeah, this, this is, again, I'm trying to say maybe some practical things um, that God has worked out in me that has been helpful, but it's about inspecting our heart to build on a good foundation. That foundation of God is one of abundance. You know, this widow could trust in God for her future, even though she couldn't see it right now. Um, and God is amazing in the way in which he can change us. Sometimes the, the, the act of giving almost feels like, oh, no, I need to, I lose some of, you know, what, what I've put my time and energy in, and I give it to God almost because, well, that's just the thing I do. And, you know, we've, people have talked about tithing and that side of thing. And yet, actually, there's something about these Macedonians, these who gave out their pov- poverty, this joy in order to give God the glory because he's done something in us. And so it comes as a response because he is an awesome king of kings. We've sung and worshipped today that he is, he is worthy of that praise. He is worthy of that offering because without him, we would have nothing. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here. Um, but I think as a response today, there's a couple of things I, I guess I was praying for. Um, maybe some of that practical stuff um, stirred you or spoke. Then, you know, we could, I'd be happy to have these kind of conversations again. I think one thing is money is something we find awkward to talk about. I mean, I do def- definitely um, most of the time. And, um, and actually, f- a freedom to talk about those difficult topics means that we can encourage one another. We can step side by side. You know, I've spoken briefly about debt, and debt can be incredibly controlling and creates an incredible amount of anxiety, but there's also often um, almost a feeling of shame about it, where it's like, no, no Christians are smiley and we don't have problems. Um, so if there's something there that you'd like um, prayer or someone to partner with you and walk through, um, then please do it. Um, yeah, come speak to us. May- maybe one thing I was just on here was to take a practical action off the back of this, which Something like, you know, I mentioned about I've got this kind of generous account where I put a small amount of savings in every month. That could be something you could start today. Um, think about preparing to be generous. Um, yeah. And so, let, let me pray. Lord God, I thank you that you see the widow. Lord, that you prepare Um, (laughs) almost a great celebration throughout the centuries people have read this story and realized that these two copper coins were of such value to you Lord it pleased your heart to see someone who put you first and Lord I just pray that we will be like that Lord that we will put you first Lord whether we have wealth or poverty Lord that our hearts will overflow in abundance of generosity back towards you Lord I thank you that you look after us that we don't need to fear we don't need to um, almost be in this cycle of lack that even this, this world that seems so stormy Lord I thank you that we can see beyond that to a God who provides a God who supplies every need you know we need these things Lord and Lord I thank you that you come you came you came you lived that life where you, you lived in that kind of poverty and yet there was great abundance great nations transformed Lord I thank you that you are good Lord, that we can trust you, Lord, with our lives, Lord. 
I do pray, Lord, that you will bless um, all those who cry out to you in this matter, Lord, that money won't be a place of fear or it won't be a, a, a place of control over our lives, but actually that money will abound, Lord, in order to, for generosity to abound. Thank you, Lord God.